Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to a team from Deutsche Börse or DB1 Ventures rather and we're going to talk about what uh, that team does, how they go about investing, whether there is a strategic angle to it or financial angle to it or both and obviously share some success stories and hopefully also lessons learned. So welcome Rebecca and Eric. How are you today? Pretty good. Very good Rudy. Thanks. How are you? It's good that we could connect through the internet obviously. So imagine <laughs> if this happened 40 years ago, right? All right. So we're talking to Eric uh, who is the head of DB1 Ventures and one of his key team members Rebecca. So when I talk to people on this podcast I always ask them how did they get to where they are today because very often I'm envious about what they do. So Rebecca and Eric, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? I'm originally from China and now I'm living in Frankfurt. Previously, I also lived in Luxembourg. I joined Deep Ventures in 2016 after I worked at the strategy team for the post-trade business of Deutsche Börse Clearstream. And back in 2016 or earlier even, we were looking at the the emerging blockchain initiatives. And actually, that was a transitioning point for me from looking at fintech as a emerging initiative from a business perspective to an investor perspective. Since 2016, I'm effectively with the corporate venture capital for almost five years now and looking after a big portion of our portfolio, taking board mandates as well. And I'm working alongside Eric to also now try to figure out what is the next journey for our CVC. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, five years very soon, right? And Eric, how about you? I'm already like 12 years with the company now. So I was in different functions already, starting from compliance, and I was heading the, the primary market, so the IPO business for several years. And uh, then I went to a, a newly formed blockchain DLT team before I took over our group venture efforts. I, I think on the startup landscape, I was like since many years deeply involved in in investment decisions and looking into startups interesting startups also on the equities trading side or, or also and well i think it's a well incredibly interesting space so when my ceo asked me to take over this endeavor here i i clearly said yes in a second right so let's uh, dive into it because i'm really keen let's say to first level set obviously everyone has heard of deutsche börse who's ever worked in finance, right, or financial services, but maybe less people know exactly what you do. And it's not only a stock exchange, right? So what do you do? And then let's talk about your team in particular. Yeah, so I guess I think most of the people, if, if they hear about Deutsche Börse, they clearly say, well, it's about stock trading. But I think stock trading is uh, well, only like 6% of our revenues uh, today. This has like developed over time a, a lot, but I think what we do is way more than that. So we are running like multiple exchanges. We are running an exchange for stocks, for derivatives, for FX, for energy. 
And besides that, we are operating a, a post-trade business, which is huge. And, and also uh, what most people know outside of Deutsche Börse is clearly the index family DAX and stocks, which is also under our umbrella. And I think Deutsche Börse itself is really like since decades deeply embedded in, in the financial services industry. And, and for sure, we are also listed as a company, Deutsche Börse AG or DB1, and having well, today a 30 billion US dollar market cap or so. Right. But you said stock trading, of course, there are different asset classes, but also there are different products, right? In terms of data and things like this. If you could tell us a little bit about or maybe the companies that Deutsche Börse owns, as sure. it's a 100%, right? Yeah. So, so uh, Contigo, that's a company which we like uh, formed in a new way two years ago. We bought a, a business, a risk management business from the US. It's called Axioma. And we put together our stocks business uh, and index business together with Axioma and formed a company called Contigo. I think it's a great business headed by Sebastian Seria based in New York. And, and we brought in our team. We are running this company together with General Atlantic, who is a, a minority partner within this endeavor. And on the data side, we are clearly like distributing all our trading data to the obvious data channels, Bloomberg and Refinitiv. That's a business we are running since many years. And, and obviously, we create a lot of trading data on our exchanges, which, which needs to be distributed and are of value for the investors and, and the sales side, right? Right, understood. And uh, you're the head of DB1 Ventures, which is a corporate venture arm of Deutsche Börse, right? So what is your team mandate or objectives? I guess our team is dedicated function to source, execute, and manage minority investments for the group. This is number one. And I think if you would ask our CEO, he would clearly say bringing innovation into our group, which is sometimes really hard for a corporate if you don't have these kind of specialized incubation or, or innovation arms. So this is done within our, in our team here. We try to really bring interesting ideas from outside into our firm so well as you might know right in, in some cases it, it works fine in others it works less less good i think overall we are happy besides this we do life cycle management in terms of transaction management other vcs uh, do and so from origination until exit and what is a bit different i would say is that we also coordinate with our business sponsors, so who are like supporting the strategic investments we make for all these kind of strategic collaboration and, and partnerships and how we like integrate startups or how we work together. And that's for sure also our task here. So Eric, you did mention that the whole goal of the DB1 Ventures is to infuse inf innovation into a big organization, right? So it seems quite in inclusive. So my Typical question would be also, how do you see startups as an incumbent, right? Do you see them as disruptors, competitors, or partners? Nowadays, quite a politically correct answer is as partners, but it's not always the case, is it, right? Yeah, I well, agree. Huh? So I, I would say all of it, all what you mentioned, right? right? So first and foremost, clearly, we see them as, a, as partners because what we can bring to startups we can we are some kind of interface right so we are an interface into the financial service industry be it sell side be it buy side and and we can be of great help for startups to accelerate their growth story so number one number two 
clearly there are so many startups out there who are well who are today a competitor in a market which we are not in right because we haven't had the yeah trust in ourselves or or well, we we, we couldn't do it to maybe invest into a blockchain trading infrastructure or Robinhood and the likes who, who brought stock trading for retail investors to, to a new level. So I think sometimes it's really hard for corporates to make this step. And because we as a corporate, we just have much more to lose and, and investing money into a new endeavor with some kind of entrepreneurial spirit is sometimes really hard because A, you don't have the people and B, you don't have the well, the power to to do it and to bring it through your organization. I see, uh, makes sense. So, what kind of startups have you invested in? Uh, whether that's in terms of stage or the product focus, what, what is interesting for you as an investment case? Um, well, maybe I could just jump in here. So, Rudy, if we take actually a step back, we're looking at two kinds of objectives when make investments, right? There is the financial objective like a typical VC investor, and we obviously have our strategic objective like other corporate investors. And now we then look for startups with those two kind of characteristics that would meet those objectives. So financially, we would like to see a market potential, meaning that the pie should be really big enough with high growth potential with proven tractions in terms of client footprint, product maturity, et cetera. And this more or less corresponds to a funding stage of Series A and beyond. And now from a strategic perspective, we are a fintech investor, especially in the capital market infrastructure space, where we operate in terms of securities issuance, trading, post-trade, and data and index. We usually very much like B2B institutional business, as that's what we are running as well. And then, of course, the investment would preferably potentially result in a commercial collaboration. Let me give you a, a few concrete examples. So we invest in this company called HQOX. This is a DLT-based collateral management and security financing platform. We also invested in Forge, a San Francisco-based company. They operate a trading platform for private company shares as a new asset class. Also invested in Trumit. This is an electronic trading platform for corporate bonds based out in New York. Yeah, and maybe let me make one one addition here, right? So I think what Rebecca mentioned is like totally right. And we are B2B play ourselves. When we look back three to five years, we somehow missed this B2C train, which is, I think, uh, clearly the largest fintech spot since years, right? When you look at Coinbase or, or Robinhood, mm. they have become so big and also in terms of revenues, large companies. So I think the world has changed somehow and only like looking into the, the B2B play might not be right for the future, right? It, it might have been right for the past, but I think we are more openly looking into the overall fintech space in today's world. And how much these businesses have to be aligned with your strategy or the current business or maybe the, the vision for the future business where you want to be? Are you trying to be quite close or do you also take some long shot ideas into account we are looking at this quite openly actually those two mm -hmm. objectives would ultimately go hand in hand so you can say you look at strategic 
objectives right now for those companies that fit tightly in terms of strategic collaboration potential, but those companies might be early stage. So it's rather a strategic first, financial in the long term. And then in, on the other way around, it could also be that this company is more established. It has a very mature product with strong traction. But right now, you don't figure out what the concrete collaboration opportunity would be. But making an investment in the company would really open the door. So this is more a financial first, strategic in the long term. And really, when you look at, for instance, Ford, right, this US-based, San Francisco-based trading platform for private company shares. So this is clearly an investment which is strategic, but I think more in the mid to long term because they are operating a, mm. a great franchise, which is clearly US-based. And, and if I were them, right, so I would go to Asia first and maybe then to Europe. And and obviously, we would be a perfect partner for Europe, but this can come in three, five, seven years. I don't know, right? But I think this is a, an investment we, we made because this, this space is really interesting for us. We think that on the private market side, somehow there will be large companies. If you look at Carter, we look at Forge, Nasdaq, private markets, and all those players, we are clearly very interested and we want to be part of this development and also learn from their experience what we maybe can do better in Europe when we bring it to Europe at any, any point in time. I think we have, we have both sides of this, as Rebecca mentioned. Right. It makes sense. I'm looking at it from my prior experience with corporate development. Obviously, there, there would have to be a very very much a strategic fit, right? But you're looking at later stage businesses, etc. You're in your team, you're quite early stage. So frankly, by definition, you need to look to the future a lot more, which may mean that you are a little bit uh, more loose with the current strategy of the current business, right? You're looking at where Deutsche Bez is going to be in a few years' time. And yeah, but we're doing both, right? So of course, yeah. we invested. So for instance, in a company called Clarity AI back in September last year, they are doing impact scores for well in the ESG sustainability rating space, which is clearly an emerging space in our our industry and getting very important for all the all the buy side. And and on this, for instance, we have a like from the very beginning a contractual agreement that we are building uh, indices to together with with Clarity on the basis of their data. We are doing both, right? So where we see this potential uh, in in the short term, we try to close the deal. Sure, but altogether, I think it's a bit of wider range, right? If then let's say the corporate development, okay. How do you find the startups? How does your scouting work? What I have in mind is that when I talk to, let's say, uh, VCs or some business angel syndicate, often I hear, I really invest in friends of friends, to be honest, right? Then on the side of the startups, obviously, they are not always happy with it because they say, and that's why the founders look the same as the VC investors, they funded them, right? Because they don't know anybody else. Now, if you're corporate, that may be a bit different, right? So I'm just uh, fishing here. So what is the right answer for you? How, how do you find that the ideas to invest in? I think the overall impression that we've got is not too much uh, different from that of you, Rudy. Now that um, we are out, we've been out in the market for around five years, we do have many incoming requests or pitches. So that's part of the deal flow. But as you mentioned, sometimes it's a little bit undifferentiated, especially in the early years, the first one or two years when Deben Ventures was not too familiar to the market. And then the second component of their our deal flow would be from active outreach in terms of events or database or even LinkedIn. And 
and and most importantly, I think we've got the great referral and quality deal flow about our network, or as Rudy mentioned, friends of friends, for example, from our peer VCs or CVCs, and we do frequent pipeline exchange with the funds that we invest in as well. Yeah, right. We do invest in uh, venture company funds, uh, venture capital funds. This is out of co-investment opportunities or inside exchange or referral of interesting companies that they see would as a, would be a fit for us. And another part of our deal flow would be also from our internal business referrals. For example, a RFP or a conversation that started as a commercial partnership would then lead to an investment conversation. And now really looking at our scouting, I think a very important criteria is to, a very important step is to have a defined investment criteria so that where you can actually save time, where you spend your time and also convey consistent message to the network. So that high quality deal flow that really fit your investment criteria would keep coming back to you. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we are very excited to be on Voice of Fintech so that we can also send this message out. And where we, where we do uh, get a lot of inflow in today's world, we must say, is LinkedIn, right? So I don't want to marketing uh, LinkedIn here, but clearly we receive multiple decks, information, messages through, through LinkedIn channel, which is great, right? So it's uh, it's an open network and it's great to, to get the stuff over there. Right. But what I was really after is uh, if I'm a B2B startup and I'd like to do something with you and uh, let's say objectively, this is a good idea, potentially fit strategically and financially, but I don't know anybody who knows you, Rebecca or Eric. Can I still reach out and potentially have a conversation absolutely or am am i really at the you know number 100 in the queues so then it's very difficult to get noticed i guess rudy i think the good thing at the bowen mentions we are very fast in decision making right i think we have we have kpis and and a clear well understanding of what we are looking for and after looking through a deck or having a 30 minute conversation or so in 80 percent of the case we can say okay go further or pass right so i think it's it's going pretty fast now and understood and rebecca you mentioned the outreach and scouting and of course last 12 months have been very different than the, the months before when typically people would have uh, all kinds of events and startup meetups, right, or conferences. Uh, a lot of that has moved to virtual and things like this. Whether you work with incubators or accelerators or event organizers, how did you manage that during the pandemic? And how do you cooperate with, let's say, ecosystem hubs like the inc- incubators or accelerators? Well, I, I think the good good situation we had in 2020 was that we that we had a lot of deal flow or interesting companies already in the pipeline and uh, i think 2020 was our strongest year in terms of done deals right we closed six direct investments one fund investment three or four follow-on so it was crazy right in terms of deal flow well i think since then we now notice that it's it's getting less right that you now need to go out again and and find interesting stuff and uh, well, usually we're going to singapore fintech festival and or the like uh, New York or San Francisco or Vegas-based uh, conferences where you meet people and speak to people and hear interesting stuff and then you reach out. So I think this this we really miss today. 
and uh, we're looking forward to uh, well the old world somehow where we can do it again on the incubator or accelerator side so we are not very much uh, engaged over there so we are partner on on the frankfurt-based TechWatt or tq but they are clearly uh, very early stage so that's not our not our focus i think uh, since then we are closely cooperating with a fund we are invested in it's called illuminate so and and they are doing the same stuff mm -hmm. that like we do but they are one stage before so that's great right because you they see deal flow we we see deal flow and we we have a great exchange of ideas and uh, and, and and sourcing great so you mentioned that you very quick in decision making which is which is great to hear so how does that selection process work you mentioned in 80 percent of the time you can easily see whether there is a fit or not etc but uh, what are you really looking for so you rebecca you also mentioned where does that kind of sweet spot for you where is that sweet spot around a round etc so not really that early stage but do you also have a feel of what kind of revenue or the customer's base uh, there should be or the size and things like this apart from the, the round letter? Yeah, exactly, Rudy. We're quick because we have this mental cheat sheet in terms of very clear, clearly defined investment criteria in terms of financial performance, revenue, as an example, 1 million mark investment stage series a and beyond whether there's potential to get a meaningful stake meaningful minority stake meaning mm -hmm. about five percent whether there's opportunity to take a board seat or board observer seat so we can basically spend like tw two minutes to go through the criteria and that would facilitate uh, a decision making as to whether we take it to next step or not and i think another part that another reason that we could make fast decision is that we involve our business sponsors throughout the transaction life cycle from a very early stage of strategic workshops quarterly update with our business to understand what exactly would fit business interests and then we involve them in a concrete deal evaluation and due diligence and importantly some core pillars of a a potential strategic partnership would be already formed before signing on the investment. Maybe it's in the form of LOI or MOU. So we really try to move fast in both deploying the capital and also bring in strategic benefits to both the corporate and the startup. Right. And following up on this, you also mentioned before that very often these startups, they have a commercial relationship with you, right? This can be an internal referrer. A referral from another division or another department of Deutsche Börse and things like this. So if you then go and invest as well, how does the economic work? You mentioned uh, some percentage stakes, which are the minimum for you. Is this always or preferably connected to some potential exclusive uh, vendor in the uh, relationship or client relationship? Or how does that work just broadly? I can understand there are many different cases, right? I think we should look at it rather um, in two time frame. So what is the economics before the investment or facilitate the investment decision making? And what are the metrics that we use in order to monitor the performance of the portfolio company? So the first stage would be some something like a, a meaningful minority stake has certain skin in the game. We can help to shape the company from a governance perspective. And then we would receive their financial model before the investment, right? After stress testing, then 
looking at what would be the potential return profile in five to seven year time frame. What is the internal rate of return for that? And also what is the multiple of money invested from an absolute return perspective? In terms of exclusivity, maybe I think in the first one or two years, we were really focusing on getting that. The journey of corporate venture capital is also a learning process itself. And over time, just get to realize that sometimes exclusivity does not necessarily help the startup that you invest in. And especially for those kind of ecosystem play, you really need to be into create an open environment for different players to create a, to join and create a transformational impact of that ecosystem. Right now, as long as financially makes sense, as long as um, it meets our strategic object objectives, we are very open on whether we get exclusivity or not. And then the second time frame in terms of after the investment, the economics that we use to monitor the portfolio would be, again, internal rate of return and mon multiple money invested. But those are on a book value basis as those assets, venture assets are highly illiquid. And due to this nature, we are also very careful of really looking at the financial soundness of the startup itself. So we look at cash burn runway before the next fundraising, and we compare the actual performance of the company with the business plan that was presented to us at the investment stage so that we get a feeling of how much of the promises have been delivered over time. Right, which leads me to the next question is how do you monitor these investments? Because uh, on one side... When I talk to some people from innovation teams, they say, look, this is a startup, all kinds of things can happen, you cannot put KPIs on them and uh, track them like a mature company. I get that. But uh, on the other hand, it's a learning vehicle, right? So what I mean by this is you should have milestones and hit those or not. And depending on this, you learn and you go left or right and you change, but you need to have some sort of a monitoring. So what that means for some other teams similar to you is that, well, of course, this is also probably on your balance sheet, right? So you need to do valuations of those stakes. So that's important, right? But then in terms of uh, vendor relationships as well, as you mentioned, Rebecca, there are certain targets to be met, right? So that's what I would expect. So how does that work? And if they are not met, then unfortunately, you need to dissolve the relationship and look for somebody else who will meet those objectives, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think Rebecca already touched a few points, right? So how do we track it and how do we monitor it? So A, we always have a board on observer seat, which is always helpful because we get we are involved in the decision-making process, right? So either mm -hmm. we are involved directly that we can decide on strategic uh, directions and also financial directions, or we just well, get first-hand information as a board observer. So this is always helpful. Point number one, I think point number two, we if it's if it's not us who has a board seat, it's in the most of the cases someone from our business team who is clearly guided also from us or the investment team in the decision making process and we we help and, and try to support as much as we can. And so I think we are close always on the development of the company. And a third point we are doing, and I think Rebecca already mentioned in the beginning, we are doing some kind of portfolio reviews with our 
uh, well, executive board members within Deutsche Börse, right? So, for instance, Stefan Leitner, who's heading the post-trade space, he has, uh, I think, maybe seven or eight investments on on his balance sheet, and we are going through each and every one, like once every four months, and going into details, uh, tracking milestones, tracking financials, tracking the business plan, and also tracking the, the strategic collaboration. And we are always trying then to push the people into the right direction. To be honest, in most of the cases, it's not about the startup. I think it's more about the corporate to deliver on milestones or that that impact or promises materialize in the end. We are trying hard to to be a good good strategic partner. All right, understood. So that's all theory in some ways. What is the practice? So can you share some success stories of the startups you've invested in? I can share two two success stories. One would be more on the financial side and another more on the strategic side. Mm-hmm. So on the financial side, TrueMid, the company you just mentioned, the electronic trading platform for corporate bond, we invested in 2017. And based on the round that they closed recently, they are valued beyond $1 billion already. So undoubtedly, it's a financial success so far. And it is actually the first unicorn company of our portfolio of 13 companies. And then with regard to strategic success, HQAX probably stands out. Since we invested, there are clear business supports and sponsors across different business segments within the group. And there have been dedicated resources working on the platform building with the company itself in the last three years. And we are putting in more efforts than before. Even now, there is a strong synergy potential with concrete revenue case. And importantly, earlier this year, we just hit a a prominent milestone. Together with HQX, we have brought in additional four strategic investor banks into the cap table. And they are all very relevant players that could really create this ecosystem that I mentioned. It's going to be transformational in terms of the impact on the collateral management and security lending space. That being said, those are still venture stories. I, I don't want to, we don't want to underestimate that there is still a lot of hard work ahead to make it a real or even bigger success down the line. Of course, understood. So my last question is where the interested parties, aspiring entrepreneurs or other business partners can find out more about DB1 Ventures. What's the best way to reach out to you and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? So as I mentioned, right, so A, we, we do have a web- website, right, where you can read at least some information about our team, our investment focus, our criteria and so on. But so you can reach out directly through LinkedIn. We are always open to speak to people and to learn from entrepreneurs because most of the cases are much smarter than we are. And, and it's always good to have a, a ear in the market and listen to people what they are doing and why they're doing things. So very open to to all the conversations. Please reach out. And yeah, we are we are, I think, as a team, and it's not only Rebecca and myself, we have Getty, Dominic, Monica, and, and Julian. I think we are a five to six uh, person team and all of us we are really open to for new ideas and and uh, most in the case or most of the case we are also friendly so so please please go ahead and reach out right then i would just add that we are already experienced corporate investors and, and we really know how to pull different things together for success in the 
corporate startup collaboration world. And we as a team position it very important to really help bridge the two worlds between a corporate and a startup. And we are here to really help you navigate through the processes and the known complexities of a corporate. And this is not only just for the sake of investment, but also the value creation after the investment. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Rebecca and Eric, uh, for your insights. And uh, good luck to DB1 Ventures and Deutsche Börse. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.